Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and we are thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about impacting our students in the digital arena. Um, but with me today, I've got Chris Vine. Say hi, Chris. Hey, guys. Well, this past weekend has been an exciting one for me. Uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks were playing at the Fayetteville Regionals, and I got the opportunity to go to all four games that the Razorbacks were playing, and they won the last one, so now they go to the Super Regionals. For those of you who don't care about baseball, I'm sorry. I am super pumped. It was a great weekend. But Chris had an opportunity to go to another event um, that was actually put on by our sponsors, CBC. Tell us a little bit about that, Chris. Yeah, we got to go uh, on Friday night, excuse me, Saturday night to the CBC Fundraiser Gala. Uh, so that means that my wife and I got to get all dressed up, dolled up. Uh, we felt like we were going to prom uh, and had a great time there. Uh, great event CBC put on. Uh, beautiful night. Uh, had a great speaker, Lieutenant Colonel Birdwell, who was uh, our keynote speaker for the night. And uh, all in all, there was over $700,000 given and raised to go toward scholarships for CBC. Wow. And so very successful night, uh, very fun night, job well done by our sponsor, CBC. And so if you are interested in learning more about CBC, I want to encourage you to go check them out, cbc.edu. Uh, they have many degrees that you can choose from. Uh, and it is a four-year college. And they also have a spectacular, what they call uh, PACE program. Almost said space there for a second. It is a PACE program where basically you, as, uh, as an, a working adult, can go at your own pace to finish your degree. And so cbc.edu, they have a lot to offer. Go Mustangs. I saw pictures that your wife posted, and the two of y'all together, and all I could think was, you married up, Chris. You married up. My dad says that I, I out-punted I out my coverage. There you go. <laughs> well, we are, again, thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as, as we continue talking about student ministry. On uh, today's podcast, we have with us Theo Davis. Now, Theo was with us about a year ago, and you can go back and find our episodes with him. We talked about the subject of race it was uh, it was an important conversation. I, I really encourage you to go back, check that out. There's a lot of good information for those of us who needed some uh, decisions and to make some decisions as we work with students and as we try to figure some things out. Well, for those of you who don't know Theo, Theo is now the digital pastor of Restore Community Church in the Kansas City area. He is formerly their youth pastor at their Park Hill campus. He is the husband to Malia. He is the father of two little girl named Zelda and a son named Shepherd. He studied youth ministry at Eastern University of St. Davis in Pennsylvania. 
and he is also an artist. Theo, we're thrilled to have you on the program today. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it's always fun to hang out with you guys. Well, I have seen a lot of things just recently about your artwork. I think you just had a show. Is that right? I did. Yeah, my wife and I both. Um, we were at the Jones Gallery in downtown Kansas City. It's like a group gallery, largest gallery, um, privately owned gallery in, in KC. And it was just so much fun to bring our artwork down there put it on display. Uh, to, I don't know. There's just something about being an artist and your art hanging in a gallery that is just so validating and just so like, cool. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know? And so just dancing and celebrating with friends. Um, my wife sold the piece the first night. I'm still waiting, but uh, I'm hopeful that maybe a piece of mine will sell uh, sometime this month. But yeah, I love art. I'm generally a pretty like highly creative person, uh, which has its pluses and minuses. But um, but yeah, definitely like leaning into the creative side of things. Well, I got to say, I've seen some of your stuff online. I think one of your pieces, I don't know if it's hanging at the gallery, is the Mandalorian. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, palette knife only painting of Mando uh, just in the desert on Tatooine with the twin sons setting behind him. It's it, That was a fun one to paint. And I was watching Mandalorian while it was happening. Yeah, that's there, awesome. It's, it is awesome. <laughs> so, hey, for our listeners, where can they find that stuff? Where can they see some of it? Uh, yeah, you. I've got and mainly my Instagram account. I do have a website, but I need to update that. So head to my Instagram account, The Davis Arts. Um, and uh, yeah, that's like the main place. It's on Facebook, too. But Instagram's really where it's at. So cool. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Hey, Theo, I have well, a question for you. Yeah, yeah, go for it very quickly, and I'll make this a yes, no, and then you can, you know, go from there later because it's very, well, it's a debatable, and I think a uh, one of those conversations that that I know, I know that there are two very distinct sides on this. So I have two sons, very close in age to your two kids, um, and we just started watching Star Wars together. Oh mercy! Yes. So I made a decision. I made a parenting decision. Oh, my as we to start with episode one instead of episode Ooh. four. Okay, 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 okay. Based <laughs> you on want- your little reaction there, my question is: Do you agree or disagree? Am I a good parent or am I a horrible one? Um, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's 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 fine. You know, we're all on this journey of discovering Jesus together, and <laughs> there's grace and there's mercy. You know, his his uh, it, it's 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 okay. All right, I just want to affirm you, Chris, that it's okay. Um, Thank you. Thank you. That's. <laughs> I will. So I was having this debate with. So recently, this is a side note. Recently, my wife bought the Chronicles of Narnia. Amazon had some sort of bundle, get get all six books or seven books for like 20 bucks. Right. And so she gets it in the mail. But the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe was not the first book when she opened up the package. It was listed as the second book. However, that was the first book written. And so then she goes online to try and figure out, hey, what's going on here? And turns out there's two schools of thought. Um, there's there's one group, including the uh, the publisher who later buys the rights. They decided to 
uh, order the books in chronological order. Um, whereas uh, there's another group of people who say, no, you need to read the books in the order that C.S. Lewis wrote them in. And so my argument for, yes, read them in the order they were written in was Star Wars. And so I made an argument on her Facebook page that mm. so much of so much of the original trilogy, the mystery and some of the, the highlights of it get lost if you if you watch it from one through nine versus watching you know, episode four, like the Luke, I am your father that loses like all of its impact. If you watch it from episode one through so-and-so, but that's okay. You know, like you lead your kids, there's grace and mercy and all that stuff. Yeah. The deed, the deed is done. There's no going back now. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we can, uh, this can be a long-term case study and uh, we'll just see how the kids turn out over the course of time. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But Hey, in my defense, I did skip over, and some people would disagree with me on this. I did skip over Solo and then Rogue One. Uh, so yeah. I went from, I went episode one, two, three, and then mm-hmm. four. And we're currently in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Solo's garbage anyway. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm fine with with passing that over. Rogue One, one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Yeah. I thought they did it's a good. surprisingly it's, good job yeah, with that. Yeah, it's good. I just didn't want them to get lost in the whole backstory of everything. Yeah. Uh, and so, and to be honest, okay, in my quick defense, uh, again, <laughs> having having younger kids, you know, there is, I want. I didn't want them to get like completely turned off with the, uh, the low budget and, um, you know, just the lack of action that comes with episode four. I get four, that. Right? I get that. You know? Uh-huh. And so there was something appealing to them about seeing young Anakin Skywalker. Hmm. And, and so, anyway, I made a parenting decision. Can't go back on it now. I'll forever live with it and be judged <laughs> by others. Uh, but anyway, wanted to see what your thoughts were. Now I know. Thank you. Now you know. It, more than thankfully, it'll be a silent judgment, so you won't have to deal with this uh, on an ongoing I appreciate basis. that, and I do appreciate your grace and forgiveness eventually. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I love the the deep things that we cover here at Student Ministry Matters. Mm, uh, amen. But Chris, my brother did the same thing with his son. Took him through episode one, two, three, four, five, and six because seven was about to come out at that point, and I just just shook my head at him. I don't know what to think. So there, there is like this. Okay. If you're going to watch them, there's the, there's a chopped up version where you could go four, five, then two, three, you totally leave one. Cause it's a, not that, not that great. It has Jar Jar and that's Jar Jar is a problem. But uh, yeah. anyway, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, I never thought about that. You actually could just skip one. But with, you know, in his case where he's got two boys, he wants them to sing young Anakin because that they can connect with that. So mm, yeah. as long as your two boys don't grow up to take over the universe, that would be good, Chris. Yeah. So, well, hey, well, look, here's, here's, here's the thing. No matter where we start, we're always going to see bad acting. That's okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, well we are today. We're talking about impacting our students digitally um, we wanted to contact our friend Theo again because that's the world he's walking in. Um, many of us have been trying to figure that out over this last year and a half as we've dealt with the issues of the pandemic. Some churches have leaned more into that than others. And what we're wanting to find out today are what are some ways that we can do that and do that in a great way. Theo's been in student ministry and he's been working in this realm for a little bit longer than we have as in the way of digital stuff. 
Um, and it's, of course, different in every community, in every area that you live. He lives in the Kansas City area. Um, some of our listeners may be in more rural settings. I kind of feel like I live in a halfway place, you know, in northwest Arkansas. It's a big, but not Kansas City big. So, um, Theo, that's what we want to talk about. We want to we want to address these things. Um, as we started talking about this, um, you had four things that you wanted to share. And so why don't you just start with this first one? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, when it comes to student ministry and the digital space, uh, yeah, I think there are four things that would be helpful in this conversation as you're listening to the podcast. Uh, two of them is a little more informational, and then two of them is a little more practical that you can put into place um, like right now. So I, I personally love practical stuff. So yeah. yeah, so let's talk about like one of the higher concept stuff not higher concept, but just one of the more informational things. And that's, first of all, like we are cross-cultural ministers. Um, we are doing cross-cultural ministry as youth pastors, youth workers, whether we're in a rural setting, suburban setting, or an urban setting. And here's what I mean by that. Like, <clears throat> Back when I was in college, you know, I took some like uh, missions classes and in missions classes, they talk about this concept a lot of cross-cultural communication, cross-cultural ministry. Because if you're an American going to, uh, you know, Africa or South America, there are some cultural differences. And so you need to figure out how can I take uh, the gospel and translate that into their culture in a way that they can receive it. Um, now, sometimes we get hung up on certain cultural things within a particular culture uh, because it's different from our American culture. And I think the same can be true of youth ministry. Us uh, older adults or us youth pastors came from one culture and the people we're ministering to are from a different culture. And sometimes we can just get hung up on certain details of youth culture um, that ultimately uh, are not worth arguing about, not worth like going to the mat with a student about. But we need to figure out like, how can, how can I as an adult uh, in, the, in the year 2021, 2022, you know, whenever you're listening to this, uh, reach into this culture that is so different from the one that I grew up in? Okay, case in point. Back in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, culture was different for youth. Like there was definitely youth culture back then. But I would argue that the changes from decade to decade were just slight. It was a slight change in uh, style. It was a slight change in musical taste. It was a slight change in uh, you know the types of TV shows that they would watch. But then you move into the late 2000s to 2010s to 2020, and that's when this digital age is really emerging where every single student has a cell phone, right? They have not just a cell phone, but they have a smartphone. Um, they have access to all these different apps and social media things. And so this is the first generation that is really living in this language of social media, this language of the internet, this language of taking pictures and being your own personal publicist, essentially. And so 
I feel as though this current generation is so different from any before it because they're growing up during this digital age. And as someone, uh, you know, I'm 35 years old, been in youth ministry for 16 years. Um, I used to pride myself for really knowing like, oh, I know, I know youth ministry. I know youth culture. But these days, like I simply can't keep up and I have to have the students really teaching me what's the latest thing? What's the latest app? What What are you into right now? And so I feel like the the first thing we need to understand when we are uh, really talking about how can we leverage digital stuff within our churches and within our youth ministries in particular is that we we got to realize that we're we're crossing a culture. Um, we we got to realize that while there may be some things that we can coach kids through in terms of some of these social media platforms, the platforms in and of themselves are not bad. Um, and, and we'll talk about that a, a bit more in a second. But yeah, that's that's the first thing I would mention. A- any thoughts when you think about how we're cross-cultural communicators right now? You're totally right. You you know, Theo, you mentioned you're 35. Well, I'm 48, to, about to turn 49. There yeah. are, you know, there's a whole generation in between me and students. I mean, we're almost, mm. <laughs> I don't want to say almost two generations, but, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I, I had to have my daughter explain something the other day. She's about to be a junior in college. Well, she's telling me, you know, Dad, I don't know. Things have changed so much even since I got out of high school. That was mm. two years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. and so that's how rapidly this culture is changing. And for us to keep up, it's difficult. It is hard. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you, Theo. You know, I I, I believe that we are called to uh, proclaim the gospel and communicate the gospel yeah. across many different cultures. And that requires a lot of thought. Mm. It requires a lot of... Uh, dedicated thought uh, on how to do that. And I think when we, because you've already admitted uh, in, you know, one of our earlier conversations that this is, this is new territory for us Absolutely. As, as the church, uh, as individual Christians. And, and I think one of the difficulties that at least I know I have, and maybe others out there as well, is while I totally agree, we need to see ourselves as cross-cultural communicators and to know that this conversation of digital, the digital age fits within that category, but also to, but helping us understand, we need to find a way to think through the, the, the truth that we are also countercultural, mm-hmm. um, that the message that we are proclaiming uh, across cultures mm-hmm. is in fact countercultural. And, and so it, like Jesus said, um, I don't bring peace, but a sword, right? Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. there's a dividing aspect to the gospel. And that's, that's something good, that, we can't, that we can't control. We can't control how people receive the gospel. We can't control how we communicate it and how faithfully uh, we are in that task. So I think that's part of this larger conversation. And it's one that I know that we're not going to be able to answer in the 20 minutes that we're having this conversation, but right, right. I just, just hearing you talk, I, I'm in agreement with you, but I think that that's at least one part of the difficulties that we, we may face moving forward. Yeah. One of the things that, um, as I've been talking with other people about this very topic, one of the things that I learned a long time ago, that's, that served me well, uh, in most situations is I, I remember having, um, a professor once tell me <clears throat> that, you know, Theo, where the Bible speaks, we need to speak. 
but where the Bible is silent, we can allow culture to speak. And I think, I, th- I think it's just so key for us as we're diving into this digital culture and these platforms and how we're using it. Um, yeah, that we are, that we are dead set on the gospel, that we are dead set on living like Jesus in the midst of this digital world, um, that we aren't just consuming culture and we're not just taking on everything without question. I think that's the unique place that every person listening right now, you have this unique opportunity to help your students navigate this culture and to help call out gospel-centric posts, gospel-centric um, mindsets on how they're streaming on Twitch or consuming YouTube and all of these different things. Um, and it's really no different from the physical world because we're teaching them how to do all this stuff in the physical world. But I think we need to make, we need to double our efforts in the digital world. Because if you think about it, no one in culture right now, no, it's not set up on how to navigate this digital world. There's no class at school. There's no class in most churches, right? Like in parents, it's evolving so quickly, like parents can't even keep up. And so I think youth pastors and youth workers, volunteer or full-time or part-time, we're in this unique position where we can help this generation navigate. um, Okay. Hey, this is where the Bible speaks. We need to speak in the same way. Well, the Bible's silent about, you know, this particular issue or topic. Um, And so it's okay for culture to speak there. Um, And so helping our students understand both, I think is going to be really great moving forward. You know, that's a, you make a, a great point, Theo. There is no class for us to, to go to, to, to learn how to properly address. You can go to etiquette classes. You know, what is it? <laughs> Cotillion, I guess, is a, an old uh-huh. fashioned thing. Um, but there's nothing out there for, for that. So we have a real real responsibility as student ministry workers to, to help our students navigate that. Well, Theo, let's go ahead and go on to your second thing as we consider these thoughts today. Yeah, great. My my second kind of informational thing and and quite a shift for some of us out there, including myself. I've only made this shift in the last, I'd say, three years or so, just before the pandemic. And that is embrace social media as a tool. Now, instantly there are people out there, they're like, uh, you know, I don't know about that. Like, Social media is bad. Like, you know, TikTok is where girls go to twerk and Facebook is just, you know, all this other stuff. And, and, um, uh, you know, for me growing up, um, I remember back in 2005, I had an internship at a church and, you know, Facebook was all the rage at that point in time. And there were a bunch of us other interns. And I remember we were all on Facebook at one point uh, during the workday. And the youth pastor came out and he was like, he was like super upset because he had told us multiple times to get off Facebook, get off Facebook. And so then he was like, you know what, guys, like, you know, Facebook is just consuming your lives. You're addicted to Facebook. Um, I'm going to tell the church administrator just to block the Facebook uh, off of our server so you can't access it. Um, and he did. <laughs> and for, uh, and that's been our approach, I feel like, as church workers when it comes to social media that that we've only, and I don't want to speak too generally, but I'll speak for myself, that I have seen social media as kind of the enemy. Like, oh, get off social media, engage in the real world, get off your phone, um, you know, build some relationships, build some friends. But here's the reality. Our kids have relationships through their social media outlets. They have genuine friendships through their social media outlets. And um, my fear is that 
because of some questionable content that is on all the platforms, right? Um, right. But but at the same time, the internet has questionable content. So if they have internet access in general, there's questionable stuff on there. But it's a tool. It's how we use it. It's how we teach our students how to use it. It's how we as a ministry use it. It's how we personally use it. Um, and so <clears throat> I think us shifting our mindset from, you know, Snapchat is a bad platform, you know, bad things happen there. Facebook, bad platform, TikTok, bad platform. Uh, you know, like let's, let's, you know, craft these messages to get our kids off of that. You know, I think we need to kind of shift away from that and recognize this is where our kids are spending a huge chunk of their lives. And these platforms have incredible influence in our students' lives. So how can we teach our students how to use these platforms well? How can we, even as a ministry, have a successful TikTok? How can we have a successful Instagram account? How can we leverage and utilize these social media platforms and go where the students are at? It's sometimes, uh, it can be hard for me to engage with uh, a student in the in the physical world, I have this one student. His name's Jaden, and uh, love him. He is uh, a t- of Taiwanese descent, and he is an eighth grader. And he's a quiet guy. And I remember just before, sometime last year, just before the pandemic, I went up to him. I was like, "Hey, Jaden, like, would you like to go out to lunch sometime?" Now, generally, when I offer lunch, a free meal to a student, they want to take it up. Like, oh, the youth pastor wants to go to lunch. Yeah, I do. Like, let's go. This kid, this punk turned me down. He was like, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, Theo. And I was like, I was so offended, you guys. Um, but I have had <laughs> such long conversations with this kid online um, because that's where he feels comfortable uh, oh, yeah. through talking through Instagram specifically and through Discord. Um, so I just I, I think we need to change our mindset about social media as it just being bad and addictive. It absolutely can be. But it's not going away. So how can we embrace it and teach our students how to use it in proper ways? I've got a student. Her name is Georgia. Uh, She set up her own little Instagram account to to share Christ. I mean, that's the whole purpose Mm. behind it. She has a personal one that is kind of her catch-all. But this one, she shares verses. She'll share little messages here and there. Uh, Mm. It's just fantastic to see that, uh, that a student has already kind of embraced that seeing that it is a tool and it's a tool that can be used for Christ. Let's go ahead and, and go on to number three. Yeah. So number three, this is where we get a little more practical. Um, and that's personally lean into social media. When I talk to most youth pastors uh, and including myself, for the longest time, I would just be on the social media platform to lurk. Uh, you know, just to keep an <laughs> eye on the students like, I, yeah. well, I disagree with social media and I don't I don't think this is good, but I'm going to go ahead and sign up and I'm going to like start friending and following everybody. Um, and, and I feel as though with a lot of youth pastors, at least in the KC area that I talk to, like we're on the various different social media platforms, but we're not using it ourselves. And I think that's a huge miss. Um, and I recognize that in myself about three years ago when I decided, you know what, I'm going to start leaning into this more. Now, I don't think the goal is to be an expert in social media. I don't think the goal is to craft the most cutting edge stuff, the best TikTok dances, the best Facebook posts, or you know any of that. But I think we have, as youth pastors and youth workers, we are in this unique spot 
where we can reveal some of our lives to these students in ways that they will consume. So generally, you know, um, on an, in an average youth group, we only get two hours with a kid, right? Maybe yeah. some of us even just an hour and a half. And that during that time, it's really scripted. They know exactly what they're going to get. They're going to get a message. They're going to get smiles, greeters, food, you know, all of that stuff. Students are far more interested in how the rest of your life works. And as we can provide windows into the rest of our lives through social media, through TikTok, through Instagram, uh, students start to become curious. Students start to comment and start to leave likes and they start to become more interested in, in how you're following Jesus. And so I would, I, I want to encourage every person out there that if you haven't been posting because you don't know what to post, you don't feel cool. That's okay. You're not cool. I'm not cool. Right. Um, we need to just, uh, we need to let that facade go and just embrace the fact that we are who we are. Kids don't want another friend. They want someone they can look up to. They want someone who's going to lead them. And so I would say, uh, lean into that social media account. If you have a TikTok account, start making TikToks so the kids can make so much fun of you. Uh, if you have Instagram, you know, start posting your personal life and your thoughts and memes because that adds flavor to who you are. And they're probably going to listen a lot more on a Sunday or your Wednesday night whenever you have youth group as a result of it. Um, and I specifically say, Lean into your personal account because look, the, your church may have an account, your youth group may have an account. It's mostly advertising and you're going to be like, uh, you know, posting pictures of the other kids when youth pastors and youth workers can leverage their own social media account. I over and over again, I keep seeing that has significantly more impact than um, the main account or the, the youth group account. So yeah, definitely use the youth group accounts for advertising purposes. But as pastors, as leaders, when students can see your personal lives, that just blows the door wide open for discipleship. So I don't know, have you guys kind of seen that in your own lives at all? I know I have. I've been uh, one of the things that my sister-in-law told me when I got kind of back into a full-time student pastor position, um, she said, well, you've got to get on Facebook. I said, what's Facebook? I mean, this was, of course, 2007. And so I was <laughs> trying to figure things out. Life, you know, was a little different then. But I got involved with it. And yeah, you know, you just live your life and you post silly things. And then your students see that you're living your life in a Christ-like manner. And so not that you're deceptive mm. ever, um, but you want to be authentic because your mm -hmm. students will see that. Now, what do you do about, well, okay, so Chris is not the most social media heavy guy. Um, you know, you post a few things, but, and there are other, other youth guys out there that don't really like to get on it. Do you have any recommendations or ways that they can be involved with that, but not have to do as much? <laughs> Yeah, I would just say like default to posting things that you enjoy. So oh, if you're okay. a painter, post things about your painting. If you are a gamer, post some things about your games. I just recently, um, so I'm playing through the Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition and I just platinumed the first game. And so I post, I put that on my social media. I just pulled up Instagram, made a little story. And I had a couple of students celebrate that with me like, oh my gosh, you got a platinum. That's crazy. And that's like a little piece of who I am, a little conversational piece that they otherwise would not know because they're not at my house. They're not going through my PS5. Um, you know, uh, it's just, it's, 
So post something that you enjoy, whether it's food, whether it's hanging out with your family, whether it is uh, even if it's something as simple as something you studied earlier that morning. And it can be a once a week thing. It doesn't have to be daily. Um, I do think the more frequent you are with it, the better. Uh, but something is better than nothing. So yeah, that's what I would encourage. Anything that you enjoy will be easy for you to post about. And that's what I found over the years. Theo, I'll, I'll say this, you know, this is, uh, this is one of those real struggles for me. Um, mm. I, cause I'm, I, I don't, it's not that I don't like social media. It's just that, uh, you know, kind of what you said, I don't see myself as good at it. Uh, and I certainly don't want to put out a, an untruthful picture of who I am, that kind of thing. Mm. I don't try to, mm-hmm. I don't want to try to be somebody that I'm not, but all that said, like I, 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 I say that to, to really just say that I appreciate your perspective on this because while I may not be good at social media, while I I may not personally lean into it the way that you're talking about it right now, it doesn't mean that I don't want to. And it doesn't mean that uh, I don't think it's a good idea. In fact, I, I think and agree with what you're saying. I think we need to be proactively connecting with students and, and just people in general where they are. Uh, I think it goes back to your first point that we're cross-cultural communicators. The difficulty that I have, the personal difficulty, and I'll just be transparent here, is spending too much time on social media. Mm. Um, I've found myself in in that uh, that scrolling and constantly looking. uh, And so part of my departure and or really not a departure, but just a, a backing away instead of a leaning into is is a, is a personal conviction point of mine where mm-hmm. uh, where I know I've got to guard myself. And, and just like in, in other things, I think we can allow the pendulum to swing too far in one direction to where maybe we say, OK, all right, I've, I've backed away from it. Now we need to try to find some kind of nice medium. And, and I would say that might be where I am right now. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not a, uh, one of those that say, hey, all social media is bad. We need to give mm-hmm. it all up. I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out for myself. What's the best approach? Because look, I have friends and, uh, and I, look, I follow you guys or you, Theo, on, on your social media. And I mean, you guys do it well. Uh, and I'm always, I'll be honest, I'm jealous of that. I'm like, man, I wish I could be, you know, <laughs> as transparent and just as easy as that. But like, normally I don't think about posting stuff until it's after the fact and all this kind of thing. And so, yeah, but yeah. I think the reason I'm going down this route for just a, a, a little bit longer than probably is necessary is I think there's others out there like me um, mm. that are probably maybe even listening to this podcast that would say, yeah, you know what? I see the, I see the benefit. Um, I even see the need for connecting with students in this way, because that is where students are. But maybe they would also admit that, like me, they've, they've let the pendulum swing a little bit too far in the one direction and trying to figure out where and how to get it back to a, a good point where we're not just like, I guess, uh, going full-blown Gen Z on them, so to speak, and like <laughs> we're trying to be teenagers again. Right, uh, right. Nobody wants that. That's good. That's good. I will say, uh, man, Chris, I appreciate your transparency and that is so, so good. Um, uh, like one, one helpful tool that I think some people might find, uh, helpful out there is just like on, and on my phone, I have a time limit on certain social media apps because it's easy for me just to like, Oh, 
there goes five hours, you know, I've, I've been scrolling for a minute. Um, and yeah. so it's helpful to put those, those warnings on there, like, Hey, 30 minutes or an hour. I know Apple has that feature pretty easily. Android devices have that as well. Um, and so that can be something that if there's a concern about spending too much time or addiction, uh, cause those are very real things and we, yeah. and we need to know ourselves and we need to, um, put those boundaries in place. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's, that's really good, Chris. Your last point that we're going to talk about, it covers something that I'm not as familiar with. So it may take some descriptor for me uh, just to help. It's, it's the issue of discord. And mm. so give us this fourth point you've got for us. Okay. So the last thing I have for us is just to create a digital lobby for your students. I'm going to try and summarize this quickly, but uh, basically Discord, it's this application you can have on your phone or your computer, even works in a web browser, which originally started as something that gamers would use just to create game nights, um, be able to talk to one another vocally over the internet while they're playing Call of Duty or whatever together. Over the course of time, over the last couple of years, it has evolved to be this place where not only gamers, but multiple groups of people are finding, hey, this is a helpful tool to create community on. And so basically, if I were to describe Discord, you 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 log into a server. And so you and I, we might create a server for our youth ministry. So mine would be called uh, or is called Restore Youth. Uh, kids get an invite link to it or, you know, it's just living on your website. They click on it. It pulls them into the Discord. Then, unlike, fa- I'll compare and contrast it with Facebook. Facebook, you can have a group, right? So you can have like a youth group on Facebook. And it's just a single page with where people can post stuff. And if you see it, you see it. If there's nuance, uh, if you miss it, you miss it. The cool thing about Discord is that on the left-hand side, you can create certain channels. So I can have, um, in fact, I could even bring up my uh, Discord. Right now I'm on my computer, double-click in Discord. It's just going to pull up so that I don't misspeak anything. All right, here it is. It's loading. So I have a Restore Youth server right now, and there's a welcome section. It's the first thing they see. It has the list of rules and stuff, uh, no cursing, no uh, bad images, et cetera, et cetera. But then under all the discussion sections on the left-hand side, I have a general discussion. This is where kids can talk about whatever. It's the main lobby, so to speak where they have conversations. We also have a memes section where they just post their favorite memes because our gen, what we discovered was that our general section was just getting flooded with memes. Uh, so we decided to create its own channel where they could just talk about and just share memes. We have a geeks and nerds channel. We have an art channel where students are sharing their artwork. And these are things that I would not have seen or known otherwise if it weren't for Discord. We have sports where kids are talking about their games and celebrating and sharing photos, gaming, prayer requests. And then we have a small group room where students can log in. And during the pandemic, excuse me. We actually had small group in there. It could either be just audio wise or full on video where each kid can have a video thing pop up. And so like what I love about Discord is it serves 
the lobby of the church. You know, after church is let out, um, everyone heads into the lobby or the foyer and they're connecting and they're talking. This is how to do it digitally throughout the week. And so I had that same student I talked about earlier, Jaden, he came to me with this idea right at the beginning of the pandemic and said, Hey, Theo, I think we need to start a discord server. I didn't know the first thing about discord. It sounded foreign to me. It sounded weird. I was like, bro, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like it's going to catch on. He's like, don't, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it all. And this kid put together the most amazing discord server. He, he knew how to do all of this. He has a, he has a robot that moderates curse words and kicks people. If it needs to kick people, it does like scriptures and all of this stuff. And so he built the whole thing and he's like, all right, Theo, now you just have to invite people. So I invited students and I had a good 25 students and still to this day who are just having conversations on Discord, talking about the most random things on Discord. And it helped. It's what it's done is it's helped to bind our ministry together and students together, middle schoolers, even to high schoolers that otherwise would have no connection. Um, And so I think this could be such an amazing tool for other youth ministries out there. If you were to create a Discord, this they don't have to wait until Wednesday night to have conversation with other students. They don't have to wait until Sunday morning, but they could continue to have conversation and share their lives with one another. And then what I'm doing is I'm just scrolling through like, oh, wow, you know, Ashley won her game. Awesome. I'll make note of that. Oh, wow. So-and-so... Um, you know, just did this piece of art. I'm going to talk to her about that when I see her in person, or I'll just even comment right then and there. So I think Discord is a powerful tool that youth ministries across the country could, can really be using. Yeah. So that's, that's what I would say. Try and find a place that can be your digital lobby for students. It can't just be your social media account. Um, it's got to be something like Discord. There's some other services out there, but Discord is my favorite. There's also Slack. There. Group me and WhatsApp, that's more of just a, a texting app. It doesn't work the same way. But yeah, look up some YouTube videos on Discord or uh, I can even send you a link to mine if you just want to check it out as long as you don't harass my students. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. You know, these are some great ideas and some great things for us to consider as we seek to impact our students digitally. They, that's the world we live in and we got to mm. figure out the best way to talk to them and to communicate with them. So Chris, you got any of the questions for Theo today? I have several questions, Dan, uh, but and, and <laughs> to me, they're all great questions. Um, but uh, let me just ask one, you know, in regards to discord, Theo, is this, uh, cause I know, uh, and I think Dan's already mentioned it, but you are now the, the digital pastor of your church, mm. uh, which is, I think for a lot of the people listening to our podcast, they would probably say, yeah, I, I do that too, but that's not my title. Um, and I know that usually is what has fallen to youth pastors in smaller churches. And, and so it's mm-hmm. pretty cool that this is something that you get to, uh, you know, dedicate m- the majority of your time to. So with Discord, is this something that you incorporate into a, into a digital service only? Or is, it, is this an... Uh, an open door access any day of the week that your kids like social media that they can come into, have conversations about, or are there specific times during the week that you utilize Discord as a lobby? Great, Great question. It's a 24-7 thing. It's just living there. Um, students can log on and post whatever they want at 2 a.m., 
4 p.m. Um, and it's just this ongoing conversation. Cool. Um, and so, so yeah, I think, I think there's lots of power in it simply because of that, that they don't have to log on to a specific time or day, but no, that's just, it's just like a Facebook group. It's just there, it's living there and you can check it out whenever you want and you can close it whenever you want. Well, we're going to put some uh, links to some information in our show notes, including some contact information for Theo. So if you've got some more questions, you could reach out to him. I, I know that he'd be happy to answer those, especially as you're trying to work through some of these things with your student ministry. Um, Theo, thank you so much for being a part of our, our podcast today. Um, love having you on again. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Again, listeners, we are thrilled that you've downloaded, that you've been listening um, as we continue this conversation about student ministry and trying to figure out the best ways to reach out to them, to love on them, to just impact their lives for Jesus Christ. And so why do we do these things? Well, we do these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.